Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good, 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 good. Good morning. How are we? Thanks, Harley. How amazing are those statistics? Uh, we thank the Holy Spirit for that. Amazing. Um, but hey, a huge welcome to you this morning. And uh, welcome to our podcast listeners as well, or those on YouTube. We just want to say we are so privileged to have you tune in today. Um, and if you're new here in the actual service, welcome. It's good to be here together. Um, and it is a bit different, as you can see. COVID uh, restrictions have made things a little bit different. Um, but I'm glad that uh, some of those are easing those restrictions. So we're on the home run, hopefully, with that. Uh, just keep praying, keep praying for wisdom for our vacciners and for people who need to make the decisions that we'll just, God will give them wisdom, which would be great. Fantastic. Um, how amazing is my wife? Look at you. And that's my son. He's six months old now. And he's, he's eating his giraffe right now. You're going to watch your daddy preach, are you? Yeah. He, um, I was just in the office then, just with the stroller back and forward for 45 minutes, back and forward. <laughs> and uh, that dad life, hey? That dad life. Uh, it's good. It's so good. Um, I, I just want to start... Um, I think testimony is really powerful. And um, just before that... Um, just wanted to say, please be praying for the Wallabies today to beat the All Blacks. <laughs> um, and next Sunday night that the Panthers would beat the Storm. <laughs> and just so the footy fans in the house are aware, Connect Group training is next Sunday night, but we will be finishing so we can watch the grand final here afterwards <laughs> at 7.30. So, yeah. <laughs> So if you want to be a Connect leader or are a Connect leader, please come out to that night and we'll be, yeah, we'll be putting it on the big screen afterwards. Um, God will move in a powerful way in that service and then God will move in the footy as well. So that's, uh, that's next Sunday night here, which would be great. Um, I, one of the things that are really important to um, people in life is getting their own home. And I know that especially for the next generation, there's been, a lot of, um, there's been a lot of pressure, obviously, with all the housing prices going up in recent years. Um, how do we get our own home? How do we get into the market? And I just want to just, I believe in the power of testimony. Uh, testimony gives glory to God. It gives glory to Jesus. We take a moment to thank him. And then secondly, testimony um, prophesies into the listener's ears what could happen um, and what God can do. And I just wanted to ask um, Ange and Watto um, if they would just come up for a moment. Um, Ange and Watto oversee our kids' ministry and we're very blessed to have them uh, running that. Um, but they've had an amazing testimony with their own home and I just wanted them to share. And if you're listening online or if you're in the room and you're believing God for your own home, um, and you need God to come through. I thought, 
why not get this beautiful couple up to share a bit of their story? Um, and then at the end, I'm going to get them to pray over us and just declare what God can do. So, yeah, tell us a bit of your story. Yeah. yeah. Is this okay? Can you hear me? Hello. <laughs> you can. I'm loud. Uh, <laughs> so um, we are. What? what? <laughs> we are just so excited, um, and it, the whole journey has just been an incredible testimony to God's goodness. And so a year ago exactly, um, we came back from America. We'd just been at Bethel um, with our cool America crew. And I was putting clothes away, and I clearly heard God speak to me, this time next year you'll have your own home. And I thought, wait, is that me thinking that, or is that actually God saying that? And I didn't say anything for a long time. I didn't even talk to James about it, because I was like, you know, when you say something, then it doesn't happen, you feel a little bit like, "Mm." well, that was, you know, just my thoughts. But... I was like, okay, so then I I shared it with James and I shared it with another few people and I was like, just be praying for us, don't know how it's going to happen and back then it was like, I had no idea, so you know when God says something to you and then you look at your circumstances and you think, I have actually no idea how that's going to happen because we weren't even in a position that it could be made possible. And so I think that put that doubt in my head thinking, well, how is this God? Because I don't see how this is even going to happen. Um, James's business wasn't doing as well as we hoped. I was going to part-time with work. Um, so there was a few other circumstances that really didn't look like it was possible. Um, so, yes, do you, wanna, can, do you want me to keep going? Um, then... Um, we were praying and we had been knocked back from the bank a couple of times. So we'd been to the bank and they were like, no, you can't borrow. You don't have enough money. Went back again. No. So that obviously can be so disheartening because you're believing for something. You're having faith for something. And then constantly getting knocked back can feel quite discouraging and disheartening. But we were praying about it and we believe and we're like, God said it. He's able. We've got to hold on to the promises and believe with him that even though a situation doesn't look like it can happen, he is so able um, to do things. So I was praying and I just felt to pray that um, James would get a different job. And I just, God just stirred it in my heart to be praying for that. And so I was praying that a new opportunity for a job would happen for James because obviously business-wise it was quite difficult in the season of COVID and bushfires. Literally that morning, he was offered a job um, with an electrical company, and yes, which is such a miracle in itself. And then we were like, okay, God, maybe we'll go back to the bank and see if we're able to, you know, borrow um, more money so we can go for a house. And there was such an ease and such a peace with it, and they were like, yes, this is fine. James didn't need to have a probation period, which that would have held up the process because they knew him, so that was fantastic. So then we got conditionally approved, and so then you get all excited, you start looking, and that again was a journey um, because we got went down different paths and was like, okay, God, you know, where is it? Where's the home? You know, what's the process? And we did have some... <laughs> discouraging moments, we'll be honest. We had some moments where we thought this was the right thing and then it didn't happen. We made some offers, they weren't accepted. Um, And so we were like, okay, God, it just felt like doors were shutting. And we're like, you promised this, we're now able to, 
but it still felt like it was a little bit frustrating. Um, we had times where it was quite emotional. Um, in that whole process, our rental place was going up for sale. Um, we were kind of asked to, you know, move out. So that kind of put a bit more pressure on and we were like, God, you're putting the timeline on, but things aren't happening. So then we're like, okay, we were praying throughout this whole season. And then one morning this home came on and I thought, okay, maybe we'll go for it. We went to the um, open house the next day. We made an offer. They accepted. And then another couple came in and bid higher. And so then we were really like, okay, maybe this isn't the right place for us. And then they gave us one another opportunity to um, put our offer in again. When we actually walked through the property, God gave us the number. And so we offered that number, believing that, okay, if God, if you've given us this number, we'll offer that. And then we were accepted, and that was exciting. Then a whole nother process of getting the home, but we did. So, <laughs> sorry if I'm going too long. If I can sum it up as just... <laughs> What I've learned as a husband is... <laughs> she talks, and then I go, oh, you meant just that. That's all you were trying to say. All, all I, all I, the biggest thing I learned in this journey, number one, God's timing is perfect. We can't rush God's clock. His timing is perfect. The other thing, if God makes a promise to you, the miracles will, will find you. Like, he'll bring them along, sit patiently, and hold on to that promise. If yeah. every day you need to, if you're single, like you just over yourself, God, you've promised this. Yeah. Or if you're with your husband or wife, your partner, God, you, you've promised us. Yeah. And you've forgotten, like, don't forget what God has said. Yeah. And then the miracle happens. You're like, oh, yeah, right. You, you said that. Yeah. You said that was going to happen. How did I forget? And then it's like you just hit another wall and you're like, oh, oh wait, no, no, God, you've, you've promised. Yeah. Your timing is perfect. I don't see the overall picture, like I just, I know what's ahead, but I don't yeah. know how I'm getting there. Yeah. But God, you're good, and you'll bring it along the right timing. Yeah. And that was that was the big thing for us. There were so many things. That journey even goes back before Ange started um, to like our honeymoon and like God speaking to me. And then it takes 12 months for, for Ange to get that word. And in that 12 months, I'm like, oh God, did I hear you or did I hear myself? Am I grieving? Yeah. But no, he, he promises. And then he's faithful and he delivers. True. And he works in such miraculous ways. And his heart is just to bless you. Yeah. His heart is for you to, for, for, for fruitfulness, to thrive, to be encouraged. But for your life to be a testimony of, of his glory. Yeah. For heaven on earth, through you. Come on. It doesn't have to happen through Pastor Benar and Charlotte or the over, you know, Pastor Nat or the, the oversight team, whatever. Heaven, heaven on earth through you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Why don't you just pray over us? Pray over. And if you're there and you just think, God, I want to say yes to that for my life, um, in the podcast as well, just in your heart, just open your heart right now. And yeah. Why don't you just pray? Just, yeah. just release that blessing. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Yes. For your unconditional love, for your faithfulness, for your grace. We've done nothing to deserve it, but we take it with open hearts and we just thank you that you are King Jesus, that you are Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are holy. 
that we are your children and you just pour royalty all over us. And Father, we just thank you for the gifts that you have ahead of us. Yes. We don't, we're not too proud to accept them, but we, we welcome them with open hands and open hearts. And Father, I just pray over this family, over this church, that you would just speak out promises. That our ears and our eyes would be open to your words. That this week we would be so attentive to the whisper of what you're saying, of the promises you hold over our lives. And we just pray into that and we believe, yes, Jesus, you can. Your timing is perfect. We don't understand, but we don't need to because you're, you're king. And we submit to you. We honor you and we thank you, Jesus. And we just pray that you would manifest heaven on earth through us, that we would be your vessel, that our lives would be your testimony. We thank you, Jesus, that you are doing incredible things across this city and we want to be a part of it. Mm. Don't leave us behind. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Let's give them a hand. That's amazing. Thanks, China. That's great. All good. Amen. Hey, I've, I've done my homework and I've tried to find something a little bit humorous for you this morning. Let your grace be extended to me in my moment of weakness. All right. A woman gets on a bus with her baby. The bus driver says, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. Did I hear a gasp then? The woman goes to the rear of the bus and sits down. The driver just insulted me, the man says. Oh, sorry, the the woman says. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. You should go up there and tell him off. Go ahead. I'm going to start this again. I just really just wrecked this. Okay. I should stay in my lane, shouldn't I? All right. A woman gets on a bus with her baby. The bus driver says, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. The woman goes to the rear of the bus and sits down, fuming. She says to a man next to her, the driver just insulted me. And the man says, you go up there and tell him off. Go ahead. I'll hold your monkey for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Hey, Christmas is coming soon, so (laughs) who's excited for that? Um, (laughs) All right. So this is week three um, of a series called How to Hear from God or Hearing God's Voice. And I've been hearing some great feedback um, about this series. I think that it's so important. Um, It's the most important thing that if you're a Christian that you learn to hear and recognize the voice of God. And last week, if you were away and you didn't hear it, or if you were here and you want to hear it again, it's on our podcast, but we covered the subject of how do we position ourselves to hear God's voice? How does God speak to us? How should we respond when God speaks to us? And how do you know it's God and not something else? And it's a really... um, It was a content-heavy message. It's a message that, especially for a new Christian, would be great to listen to. Because I just believe that someone who can hear and recognize the voice of God is somebody who is unstoppable. (laughs) 
We live in a world full of noise, full of opinion. And it's all this noise, all this opinion, all of the people who are talking, all the noise feels like it's relevant. People say something because they think it's right. But the reality is this, is that the greatest noise in our life should be the noise of the voice of God. Yes. Through the scripture, through the rhema word of God, through other avenues, through creation, God speaks to us and he is trying to have a dialogue with us, not a monologue. Yes. A monologue being a one-way conversation. That's not what God has for us. Whereas a dialogue is two-way. If I just talk at my wife continually and she never said anything back, it would be a very weird relationship. Why is it with God sometimes we find ourselves continually talking, 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 and often forgetting to take time to stop and to listen? I love the fact that our God is a God who speaks. Our God is not a mute God. Can I hear an amen? And not just that, but he speaks out of a love. He speaks out of a care. He cares about what you care about. He cares about your concerns. He cares about your situation. I had to train myself years ago not to feel like God only wanted to hear the big things in my life. But a father wants to hear the small things. My son right now is six months old, and he is a bit of a talker. He loves to chat in baby language all the time. Just then as Uncle Waddy was speaking, I don't know if you probably couldn't hear him, but he was saying, amen, that's good, in his own baby language. I love to listen to him talk. You don't have to tell me to listen to my son. You don't have to say, Benaiah, make sure you take time today to listen to your son. And if I have that love for my son, me being as imperfect as I am, how much more does our father have for us that when we speak to him, he goes, I can't wait to listen to what you're saying. And then you flip that on the other side, and then we... And then he watches me. Bear, he watches me all the time. He, he's a little observant baby. He went to the doctors last week for his injections, I've told you last Sunday. And the doctor said he is socially advanced. And what he meant by that was, is he walks in, when, when he walks in, when he comes into the room, <laughs> the first thing he does, if he walked in, that would be really advanced. <laughs> When he enters a room, the first thing he does, he's like a meerkat. He just, he's just looking around. And he looks at everything. He looks at everyone. He looks at the art on the wall. He looks at the person speaking. He's, he's very aware of his surroundings. And I just think as children of God, we need to be that attentive to God. A little meerkat looking around. What are you saying, God? Are you trying to leave me? Are you trying to speak? Is there an impression? Do you want me to text that person? Do you want me to pray for that issue? Do you want me to... Whatever it is, and we become people led by the Spirit of God because God is someone who leads us by His Spirit. I love that. So today I want to speak for a few minutes about discernment. (laughs) Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say discernment? 
how to hear God through discernment. Has anyone here ever had that situation where something happens and in your heart you go, something feels a bit off. Something just doesn't feel right about that. You meet a person or you see something and you go, ugh. Anyone ever had that? And it's like in your gut. We call it intuition, but the reality is, if you're a Christian, it's actually working at a level of discernment. It's you going, something just doesn't line up right now. That can be for bad things, but it can also be for good things. When I was single and ready to mingle, as some might say, probably not ready to mingle, but I was single, and I was on the couch at home. I was 29 years old, I think, 29. And I sat there and I felt this impression on my heart you have three, 21 days left of being single, enjoy it. And not to say I wasn't going to enjoy being with somebody, but it was the feeling of, hey, like, your life is about to change. And at that time, there was no potentials in my life. There was no one I was tuning on the side, <laughs> whatever the word is you use. And for those next three weeks, I enjoyed as much footy and pizza as I possibly could in my underpants at home. <laughs> what a great image for us all to have. God help us. Three weeks later, Charlie and I went on our first date. And I just, it was just an, it's just an impression. It was just a discerning moment of going, I'm discerning the season is about to change. There's something in the air. You can sense it with, the seasons physically, can't you? You can tell when spring is in the air. Yes, yeah. Yesterday at our house, we're out sitting out on our, our balcony and, and Charlie was like, it feels a little bit summery right now. It's a bit of a warm breeze. It's a bit summery outside. It's, summer's on its way. And it's like that spiritually where, again, we have to be great at understanding the seasons we're in. And if you have your Bibles, just or if you're writing notes, 1 Chronicles chapter 2 verse 22, it says this. It says, From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. One translation says this it says that the sons of Issachar understood the times and the seasons they were in. I encourage us as a church to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that we understand the seasons of God. Let me ask you the question for you to ask yourself. What season are you in in your life? What season is your family in right now? What season is your business in? What season is the church in? What season is our nation in? Because it takes a very attentive heart to say, God, I'm seeking you for my family right now. My kids are struggling. I need you to speak to me about the situation. I've got this going on in my, my, my family. I need you to come and speak to my heart. And all it takes is one impression from me, God, to give you all the peace in the world, all the peace in the kingdom. 
Remember, victory is found in peace. Victory isn't found in anything else. The moment you get peace in the storm is the moment you can sleep. So physically, you might not see the manifestation of victory yet, but if you have the supernatural peace, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 peace, then you're already walking in victory. Peace and discernment go hand in hand. Or if you flip that, peace or a lack of peace and discernment go hand in hand. When you don't have peace, when you're lacking peace. When I was um, sussing out my wife in those early days, sussing out, I don't, you know what I mean? I had a good friend of mine, because I had a bad track record with this area. I just wasn't, wasn't very good with dating and all that stuff. And anyway, different story. But I, I just remember he would say to me, Benaiah, look for peace and ease. Peace and ease. Is there a peace in your heart with Charlie? And is there an ease with what's happening? Not is it always easy, but do you feel like it's just coming together? I don't need to climb Everest right now for this relationship. It's just coming together. If you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, and I'll get you actually to turn here because we're going to read it together. It's quite a, a decent passage. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 says, when you got it, why don't you tell me you got it? It says, there are a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a diversity of activities, but the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Yes, and amen, I want some more of that. To another, the word of knowledge. Yes, I'll take some of that through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Yes, and amen. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Yep, I'll take some of that, God. To another, the working of miracles. Yes. To another, prophecy. Yes. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we have to start here knowing that discernment is a gift. I've had a number of people say to me, and it's a good question, but now can you teach me about discernment? It's really hard to teach. It's more caught. And some things in the kingdom are hard to teach, they're more caught. It's like we just read there. I can teach you about discernment, but unless the Holy Spirit gives you a gift of discernment, you're not going to be able to flow in it. I can just preach about faith, but unless the Holy Spirit right now gives you a seed of faith, which, by the way, is what um, Angel and I had for their house. There was this moment of the Word of God, the seed of faith, that they now can believe for something not yet there. So discernment is this really amazing gift. Discernment is like a superpower. And it's like a, a, a Christian who can discern well is a Christian who is like a superpower superhero. Superman can fly. Spider-Man can shoot things from his wrists. Batman is just cool because he doesn't need any superpowers. He's just cool. He just drives a cool car and just... 
the Hulk gets angry and blows up. The Christian discerns. Because when you discern, you know what to do. When you discern, you know how to respond. When you discern what God is doing in the city, you know how to then heal the city. When you discern what God's doing in your family, you know how to bring breakthrough to your family, to your marriage, to your business. If you're in leadership, discernment is something God gives you to help care for the people, which we'll talk about in a moment. It is this amazing gift God gives us to hear God's voice through discernment. So what is discernment? Discernment is to have the spirit of discernment, is to possess the ability to perceive well. And we get our English word aesthetic from the Greek word for discernment, which means moral perception, insight, and practical application of knowledge. Perception, understanding, discernment. We're called to be people who know how to be discerning, not suspicious. There's a big difference. The Christian who is suspicious is a Christian who is weird. And not a good weird, a bad weird. But oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about Sandra Sully on Channel 10 News? What do you think about, you know, John Howard? What do you think about the Queensland team? Well, obviously they're from the devil. Let's be real. <laughs> Queenslanders. <that's> a... <laughs> what do you think? You see, you've got to understand, when you have a gift of discernment, you don't have to chase after it. I'm never, ever chasing discernment, apart from saying, God, open my eyes if there's something to see. Because life is easier sometimes without discernment. And I know that as a leader, that's been so important. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 says this. Philippians 1, verse 9, it'll be on the screen. It says... It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. The writer here is saying, I pray that you will have knowledge and all discernment. In other words, don't be dull. Don't be somebody who doesn't know what's happening. Don't be the servant with, with Elisha who couldn't see the chariots of fire. Instead, he was overwhelmed with the circumstance. And Elisha says, God, open his eyes that he may discern what is actually happening. God, I pray you will give our church insight into what is actually happening. Can I hear an Amen. <laughs> Now, not every person who thinks they are discerning are discerning. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Not everybody who comes to me and shares what they sense is from God. I have to be mature enough to not be suspicious, but, all, but be testing in my heart of, is this a God thing? You know, discernment as leaders is super important. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, if you're writing notes, 
It says this, 1 Kings 3.9. Give your servant, therefore, understanding and understanding mind to govern the people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? If you're in any form of leadership, and if you're a parent here, you're a leader. You lead your kids. If you're a connect leader, if you're a leader in business, if you're a leader in your peer group, if you're a leader of a church, whatever it might be, a leader of a nation, you have to understand that it's important to ask God, help me have a discerning heart, that I might govern the people well. I remember years ago, like many years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I was visiting a friend in Switzerland. It was my first time to Switzerland, and he was getting married, and it was up in the Alps of Switzerland, literally in a chalet, a three-story chalet his family had in this little village right over in Switzerland. If you've ever been to Switzerland, you know what I'm talking about. It's beautiful, but it's very remote as well. It's kind of up this area. And I woke up one day, and at the time I was a youth pastor, and I woke up one day, and I had this sense in my heart about one of my youth team back home. And I just had this discerning moment. And, and I was just like, this youth team leader is going through something, and it's not good. And I remember just going, I literally said this to God, because it would happen all the time. I said, God, I'm on holidays. That was my response. I'm on the other side of the world. I'm having a break. I don't need to be thinking about my youth team back home. Sounds pretty loving, hey? It's loving to me. And I just remember sensing that and going, okay, God, all right. And I prayed for that person. Flew back to Australia. Three weeks later, they were in my office. And they said, Benai, I've got to talk to you. And they brought up some stuff. And some stuff wasn't good in their life. And they wanted to talk about it. And I said to them, I know, three weeks ago, God put it on my heart. There was no shock and horror from me. I said, I've been praying for you for three weeks. That happens all the time. At any given time in our church, I am discerning things, not for everybody, but for a lot. But I think that's part of the grace of leadership. I think God gives us a grace to help look after the sheep well. So I, I'm, and, and my wife will tell you, there's been many a times, more than we would like, where I've woken up at two in the morning, there's someone in church on my heart. And in that moment, I've got to pray, I've got to release that, that burden, release that care, but it might take me a few hours sometimes, and it robs me of sleep, to be honest. But God lets that happen for a reason sometimes, because he's trying to say, look after the sheep. Yes. Yeah. This is the blessing of being in a prophetic church. Yeah. Some pastors don't even believe in that stuff. In our church, it happens. The amount of dreams Charlie has prophetically that come true is mind-blowing. If she ever dreams about you, watch out. Both in a good way and a bad way. Because we've had both, where she's had dreams about people and something's not happening good and then behind the scenes and it comes out or dreams about someone stepping into something greater and that happens. And the minute she says to me, I had a dream last night, I go, whoop. 
I go, I'm listening. Now, prophetic is a little bit different. And one week we're going to talk about prophetic, being a prophetic person. But the sermon is linked to the prophetic. It's, 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 it's like the cousin. It's, it's, it's the same flow. So we have to understand that as leaders and as people, God gives us the gift of discernment to help look after others. Have you ever had a moment where God's placed someone on your heart and you text that person or you call them or you message them and they say, that was the exact thing I needed at that time? Who's had that happen before? Yeah, see, most of us have had that happen. You are flowing in an element or realm of discernment. We're going to talk about at the end of today, what do you do with discernment? Like, how do you respond? But here are some more thoughts on discernment when it comes to hearing from God. And we've spoken about it, but number one, discernment is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 12.10, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? Oh, well, we just read it, but let me read it. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits. So we have to come back to, this is a gift. The thing is about gifts, though, is that gifts need to be cherished. Now, again, my wife or maybe my sister will tell you, over the years of Christmas time, they can tell when they've given me a gift that I might not have appreciated. Definitely, my sister says. One year, my sister gave me the movie Free Willy on DVD. It's not my favourite movie. Free Willy, the whale movie I'm talking about. Was it two or three or one? Probably all three. It was a box set of Free Willy. This is only a couple of years ago, by the way. And as I got it, I was like, yeah, thanks. Let me just say, my sister had to work on a fence that day. Has she forgiven me? You've forgiven me? No, okay. She hasn't forgiven me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Every birthday, my wife says, you're so hard to buy for. All I want is a Harley. That's all I ask for every year. A Harley Davidson. The bar is high. <laughs> A few years ago, she brought me tickets to a, a show. <clears throat> and she just... Because I made a comment once about this, this show. Anyone heard of the Blue Man Group? The guys that paint themselves in blue and they're all... I made some comment about... I said, I a show and I made a comment about the Blue Man Group. She took it as though I love the Blue Man Group. <laughs> so she spent hundreds of dollars to buy tickets to the Blue Man Group. I don't care less about the Blue Man Group. <laughs> And we have a pretty honest marriage, and I think she could tell that I was just like, oh, thanks, yeah. How much did you spend? <laughs> <laughs> and we went and saw the Blue Man Group, and it was terrible. It was just terrible. Oh, my goodness. Just because you paint yourself in blue doesn't make you good. Let me just say that. No offense to the Blue Man Group if they're listening to this right now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know some of you guys are guilty of this too. You get gifts, you're like, oh. So when it comes to God, we have to understand that how we respond to his gifts is really important. And sometimes we can actually treat the gifts of God in our life like that. 
oh, thanks, God, yeah, and you put it in the closet. You put it on the shelf. You put it somewhere else, and you, you don't ever actually take that gift out and use it because you don't actually value it. Now, that's a whole bigger subject, but I want to encourage you, are you using the gifts of God in your life today for the glory of God? And a great way to use the gifts of God is inside the local church because it's a safe place to try out the gifts of God in your life. So make sure you're using the gifts of God. Thanks, my son. Thank you. Yeah. He's saying dad, 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 but he's looking at at Charlie. I don't think he understands it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The second thing is this. Discernment is a sign of maturity. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. How amazing is that? Like, how cool is the wording of that? Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. Powers of discernment. How cool. Trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2 14. The natural person does not accept the things of God, the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are what? Spiritually discerned. Why is it sometimes you can speak about the things of God and your uh, unsaved friend won't understand? Because they are yet to receive the gift of discernment. When you meet Jesus and receive his grace and your eyes are open to his love, you have a moment of discernment. I can now perceive the reality of God. Therefore, every Christian, at some form, has moved in discernment. But I love that scripture in Hebrews that says that they practice, constantly practice, to distinguish discernment, good from evil. If you want to be great at discernment, you've got to practice. How do you practice? Well, when you get something in your heart, I used an example. Uh, a few years ago, someone came and they met with me and they said, Benaiah, I, I, I recognize that you have a prophetic gift on your life and you are great at discerning things. And I said, thank you. And they said, can I learn how to be discerning from you? And I said what I said to you this morning. I said, it's hard to teach, but I said the fact that you want to grow in it, number one, you're hungry. And number two, the fact that you honor the gift on someone else. The Bible says if you honor a prophet, you receive his reward. So what you honor, you receive from. So I said, those two things alone are going to cause you to catch how to flow in discernment. That feeling inside when you know something is, you know what's going on. Anyway, I said, so what we'll do is this. Next time we discern something, and I was on our youth, in our youth ministry, on our youth team, I said, next time you discern something for your connect group, and you're not too sure, come and chat to me, and I'll tell you if I'm discerning the same thing or not. And if not, if, if not, that's okay. If so, it will confirm what you're sensing. The person went away, they came back a month later, they said, Benaiah, this is going on with one of my connect, I'm just discerning this. I said, I'm sensing the same thing. And what happened in that moment, they grew in their confidence. They practiced 
how to be discerning. You see, there's no place for spiritual cowboys in a local church. Someone who has no accountability, they just out there just shooting the machine gun wherever they want and they just self-appointed prophets and there's no, it doesn't, the Apostle Paul talks about the prophetic and discernment being there to build the church. So discernment is a sign of maturity. Maturity is not an age thing. It's not, I'm sorry, just because I get more grey beard doesn't make me more mature. It makes me older. Maturity is something in the, in the, in the spirit. Maturity is overcoming obstacles. Maturity is hearing the voice of God. Maturity is perseverance. James chapter 1, verse 3. It's, 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 it's being joyful in trial. It's, it's, it's finding everything you are in him. It's having a heart of humility. Therefore, I have to choose to grow and be mature. And the third thing is this. Discernment needs to be accountable. Number one, needs to be accountable to the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Last week you saw me talking about God speaking through the Word, and I talked about this. This is how I view the Word of God. What does that look like to you? It looks like a bird to me. One of those birds when you're a kid and you do it on the horizon and you're drawing a picture of a house with a bird. This thing is the only book in the world. Oh, $10 just came out of my Bible. Let's keep going. Come on. Come on. A million dollars. Come on. Come on. That was really cool. Never, never seen that before. I'll take that. That's good. I don't know where that, honestly, I don't know where that came from. That's really amazing. My wife's like, did you put it there? I didn't put it there. When it comes to discernment, be somebody who understands that you need to be accountable to the Word of God. For example, sometimes Christians can come and give you a discerning word, and it doesn't line up with Scripture. It's not the fruit of the Spirit, it's not love, it's not kind, it's, not, it's, it's something else. And we see this in our current world state because I'm going to use a really weird example. You know the Ku Klux Klan thought they were Christian? They used the scripture to be racist. Just because you think you're discerning doesn't mean you're discerning. <laughs> Bit of an extreme example. But it actually, there's throughout history, different. you know what I look for? Fruit. Please don't come and tell me you hear from God if you don't have fruit in your life. I look for fruit. Because, let's read it here, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Why don't you turn there with me? We're nearly finished. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus speaking. Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut off, cut down, put in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Listen, 
We're not called to judge, but we're called to look for fruit. Look for fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. One of the reasons why the world looks at the church and goes, is because the fruit isn't overflowing. My dream, one of my dreams for our church is that we are the kindest church. Kindness. That every person who encounters this church or this church family feel like we believe in their greatness, in their call. My, my dream and my heart, and I believe it's God's heart, is that we are a church who encourages people continually. I, I want us to be a church that is known for its encouragement. Listen, outdo me in encouragement. Be the most encouraging person. Because I believe heaven is encouraging. I believe, I, I, used to, I, I was watching a, uh, this is going to be a weird one, I was watching a documentary this, yesterday about a cult in Hollywood. Now, I find cult stories very, very weird and intriguing. Anyone else like that? There's people coming in, like literally there was someone came in to, and joined this group, by the way, they didn't call themselves a cult, joined the group and this group was big on mind transformation. The guy who ran it had an IQ that was like a genius. And he made all this curriculum. And they had people coming in with Tourette's who were getting cured just by pulling apart their thought process around the Tourette's. So transformation stories. And they had these people, by the way, the cult was just disaster and bad. It wasn't good behind the scenes. But one of the things that people said when they joined this cult was, I have never been in an environment with such kind people. I feel like I can take on the world when I'm around these people. I've never been so embraced. And by the way, this wasn't like the hippie cult. This is like people in business suits looking normal. And it's the power of kindness. How much more so the people of God? And I think we can actually take our kindness factor to a whole new level. And imagine the church, and I believe this, I believe the church goes forward when the church is full of kind people. Not kindness because you look and sound right, but kind because God loves you. Whoa. I don't know if we're getting that, but let's, let's, let's go to a new level in our hearts. Because it's easy to be kind to someone who's kind to you. And it's easy to be kind to someone who looks like a Christian. It's hard to be kind to someone who comes in and they are swearing and they are smoking and they're evil in your head and all this stuff. Not saying those things are evil. But whatever it is, and we go, we're going to judge you? No, we need to be kind. I'm not going to go off on a tangent. But I just, let me just say one more thing. We, we need to be good at picking up people out of mud. There are too many churches full of self-righteous Christians. Listen, stop your Facebook rants. They're rubbish. Go love somebody. Honestly, like just love somebody. Go hug somebody who thinks different to you. By the way, I'm preaching to me right now. But if you want to hear it for you, please take it on board. Because I've sat in church my whole life and I've seen people come and go and I think one of the things we haven't done well is be 
overwhelming sometimes with kindness. We have to be overwhelming people with kindness. Can I hear an amen for that? I, I just, you, you realise that mental health struggles right now are through the roof, yeah? And you realise that suicide rates are going through the roof right now in our nation because of COVID and people are stressing out. It is time for the church to rise. And how do you do it? It's not by you having another prayer meeting. It's by you going and inviting someone to your house for dinner. And when they sit there and they weep because their marriage has just fallen apart, you say, I embrace you. I love you. I cover you. I will sit with you. I will invite you to my house for Christmas and sit at my table. Because I know that God has called you not because of your problems and because your mess is there. That does not define you. What defines you is the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of reconciliation, the beauty of forgiveness, the beauty of knowing that God is there even when we're unfaithful. He is faithful. I know I've got a bit over time, but please bear with me. Discernment when it comes to fruit. Discernment when it comes to fruit. Can I just put a call out to any prayers in the church? Please pray for Charlie and I every day. Pray for my family. Make it your family's tradition to pray for our family. When you pray for your pastors, it sets up such a great spirit in your home. And secondly, come to our pre-service prayer meeting at 9 a.m., If you're a prayer, please actually come to it. Because, and pray over our seats. Come in, you're, you're welcome. The auditorium's open. Come and pray. Pray over every chair. Don't put COVID over every chair. Pray over every chair. This morning we had about 40 people at the prayer meeting. There was one over 35. It's heartbreaking to me. We need to actually set an example. So all the over 35s here, please come to our prayer meetings. Yeah? And that should bring a little bit of, that's my, my pastoral heart right now. You know, I, let me just say, you know, we're so blessed as a church. We, we hear stats and we go, oh, 57 new people in youth. You know that most churches have 5% or less young people? 5% or less. We are blessed to have a God has sent in a generation. And, but this is my heart. This is my, such my heart. And my son is messing me up in the best way with this. The apostle says, there are many teachers, not many fathers. Where are the dads? So can I speak to the men in the room? We need you to be dads or granddads. How do you do that? Get to church early, serve, be encouraging. Come to the prayer meeting. So when the young people look around the 40, they see someone with some gray hair. Because they watch. This morning, I was so just blessed. I'm going to pick on someone. I'm going to pick on Bon. Bonnie has a baby called Hadrian. If you haven't met Hadrian, he's an awesome little kid. He's a few months older than my son, so they'll probably be, they will be mates. And Bon gets here early with Dave on the sound desk, with their son who's 10 months, 11 months, 11 months, gets here. This is such a, I just want to praise you for a second. 
comes, comes in, serves, like gets here early for this with their baby, goes out, comes to the prayer meeting, we pray, we believe God for revival, and then goes and sits in her car to try and settle her baby. How amazing. Yeah, I did see you over in the car. My wife gets here early with our newborn, and she goes and she sits in the office for an hour and a half, or I sit in there trying to rock my baby to sleep, and then get up here and preach. Now, I know I'm the pastor. She's not on staff, though. It puts our whole week out. It really does. Like, our baby's a schedule baby. He loves his schedule. If a new mum and a new mum can put their week out to get here a bit earlier to support others, then what's our reasons? I want to have breakfast later. I want to have an extra half an hour of sleep. I've got other things to do. No, Sunday is a day that's holy. It's a day of serving others. Now, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. At the same time, let the Holy Spirit guilt you if he needs to. Because I just want you to know that we had literally, we had nearly 40 young people here at this prayer meeting this morning, and I stood there as a proud dad, and then I went, where's my fellow parents and grandparents? Where are the ones that these next generation are going to look to? They're not here. And the generation will not have, they, they, they will fall short if they don't have the wisdom that you carry. Listen, if you've got some grey hair, you've got something to contribute. I've got some grey hair now. I've got something to contribute. Nat's got more grey hair, which is great. I do counts. I'll make sure he's got more. Listen, I want to get more grey-haired people up on this platform. I want to get more grey-haired people on our board. I want to get more grey-haired people running our departments. But I'm looking for hands raised. I'm in, Benaiah. I'm in. I'm in. I'm here. I'm early. I'm texting, saying I'm with you. Because what happens is my son has granddaddy Paul. Not that he might like that saying, but grand, granddaddy Paul over here. Uncle Ross. Because he sits there, he watches. And I love the young generation church, but the older generation has something to give. And it's called a wisdom. It's called life experience. It's called I've fallen down many times and you're going to fall down one day, but guess what? When you fall down, I know the pain, I'm here. So I want you to feel empowered. If you're over 35 right now, empowered that you have something to give to this church. Oh, but the young people will do it. Yes, they will if you don't. It's true. Or you can say, no, I'm not passing the baton yet. Get lost. You've got to take that. You've got to wrestle that baton down in my arms. You've got to chase me down. If you want to take this baton, you've got to chase me down, young person. Now, that's my youth pastor vibe coming out. But that never goes away. We are blessed to have a generation of young people. Benny Green is doing such a great job, and Jay with our youth. Amazing. And their whole team. Um, and, and, and the Watsons with our kids' ministry, and just, just loving. But I just think there's such a need for dads and fathers and mothers and aunties and uncles. And, and if you don't know how to actually outwork that, come and talk to me. I'll, I'll help you. Sometimes it can be intimidating when there's someone younger. 
and they're speaking language you don't actually understand. What is TikTok? What? TikTok? <laughs> I know I'm old because I don't know what TikTok, how it works. If you don't know what that is, that's a new app. It's like Facebook. I don't know. It's something. <laughs> Are you on TikTok, Paul? Michelle, are you on TikTok? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if he's on TikTok. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Social dilemma, right there. All right. I'm sorry I got over time, but I just... The last thought was that you've got to be accountable to prophetic people. In Hebrews 13, it's a good scripture for us to end on. That It's a scripture that's really holy. It's one that gets abused a lot. But in, 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 out of a good heart, it's just such a powerful scripture. But it says this in Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their job may be a joy and not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you. And that's why, you know, what I do is I, I don't take it lightly. Charlie and I don't take our, our role lightly because we have to give an account for every one of you guys. And you've heard me say it before, church, but I can be the Joel Osteen, happy, always positive, everything, or I can actually be honest with some things we have to work on. Yeah? No, Joel, nothing against Joel Osteen. He's great. But I just, you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 it costs, I know I can rub, uh, ruffle some feathers when it comes to challenging us to go to a new level. But it's because I know I'll give an account for that. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, discernment's important when it comes to accountability. Hold on the subject, but make sure that if you... It's okay if you're feeling something discerning. It's okay to speak to one of your leaders. It's okay to say, what do you think? It actually is really healthy. What happens if they hear something different to you? That's all good. Maybe it's not the right time for that word. Okay, last thing is this. What do you do when you get to sermon? Here's what I do. It's very quick. 70% of the time I discern something, I do nothing apart from pray. I, I, I don't, I just pray. 30% I will go and speak to that person or that situation or that circumstance. But most times God gives me a gift of discernment for people or a situation so that I can intercede in the unseen realm. And that person will never know that I stood in the gap for them. Some people, when you're young with discernment, think that everything you get you have to go share. But who knows that it's better if I discern something for Jess, it's better that I stand back and pray sometimes and then God speaks to her and then she comes and says, but God says this to my heart, and I say, oh, God's already put that in. And she goes, oh, confirmation. Yeah. What I've just done, I've equipped her from a distance to hear from God herself, and I've confirmed what God has said. Now, 30% of the time for me, I'll go and I'll actually speak to somebody. And sometimes those conversations are uncomfortable, and sometimes they're not, but I'll wait and say, God, do you want me to speak or not? But the flip side of that, if someone comes and asks me if I discern something, I'll tell them if I discern something. But what do you do when you get discernment? Pray. Yeah. Ask God. Stand in the gap. And then sometimes go and speak. Sometimes go and stand physically and, and do something. And by doing so, we become 
obedient to the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good? Was that helpful this morning? Okay, I hope it was. Let's be a discerning church. And what we're going to do at the end now is I'm just going to pray that you, if you want, would receive a fresh gift of discernment. You might be asking God for, for a breakthrough in your family. Maybe you're trying to get discernment in an issue. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives the gifts. He's the one that gives the breakthrough. And we're just going to pray that he would come and he would just speak for a moment. In Jesus' name. Does that sound good? Why don't we just stand to our feet? Marky, can you see if my wife's available? If she's with Ben, that's okay too. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're trying to figure out whether the sermon is of you or of God, last week's message can help you. Go back, listen to it. It'll help you distinguish. If you're here with your spouse, why don't you take them by the hand? If you're here by yourself, you can just hold your own hand if you want. <laughs> We're going to actually pray over you for the week to come as well. The blessing of God. We're going to pray sisterhood tonight. It's going to be a powerful night. Charlie's fired up. She's got something to, to share. But Charlie, you're, you're amazing with the sermon. So why don't you just, can you pray over the people? Just a fresh gift of discernment, if that's what they're after. Yeah. Fresh insight and also yeah. blessing. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just where you're at, just start to open up your hearts. Thank you, Lord. Because I said it this morning when I got up, that our Father responds to hunger. Thank you, Lord. And he is so faithful, he is so good, that he always meets us where we're at. And it might not always look like it in your world, it might not always seem like, you know, it's the perfect answer. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But our God is good, he is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. So just open up your hearts afresh to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you that you are the most incredible, incredible being, that you adore us, that you love us, that you are for us. And Father, I just pray just across our church family now, whether they're here in the flesh, listening at home, listening on podcast, Holy Spirit, that you would just start to meet them where they're at. You would start to fill them. You would start to impart afresh into them. And if discernment is something that they're hungry for, God, I thank you that you you respond to hunger. So I ask for a fresh level of discernment across our church family, God, for their own lives, for their family, for their workplaces, God, that you would start to pour into them your heart and your kingdom and your vision, what, what season they're in and what, they, what, the, what they're going through, but in, in your eyes, God, that it won't just be just a, a second thought, God, but that we will get so sharp in knowing the seasons of you in the time of you. And I pray that you will sharpen us in that, God, in that level of discernment. Father, that you would just give us um, confirmations, that you would give us things that help, you know, keep us accountable with it, God, but that Holy Spirit, 
you would just fill us afresh, God, that you would just lead us, that you will guide us by your hand. And as we go out this week, Holy Spirit, we just pray again just for your incredible power to touch us, to touch our families, to touch our workplaces, to touch our city, God. We are so hungry for a move of God that just doesn't come and go, but that lasts. And God, we just put our hand up and we say, use us this week. Use us to be your hands and your feet. Use us to be your mouthpiece. Use us to be the people that go out in the world and that that see your kingdom come and your will be done. Father, you have so much more for us. And I pray, God, that you start to unsettle us a little bit in our spirit to just hunger and thirst for more of you, for more of your kingdom, for more of your goodness, God, because you are so faithful. We just declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.